Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. The most difficult part of the work of a gospel preacher is to get people to stop. Yes, stop. Even for a moment. To get them to press the pause button of their lives and consider the essential issues of what their lives are all about. Questions like, who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? There is so much to distract us from thinking of these things, isn't there? How often we get taken up with either work or the pursuit of pleasure that we forget the things that count the most. Sadly, we usually just stop and consider these issues when some catastrophe comes into our lives, perhaps an accident, a death, or a bad report from the doctor. In today's broadcast, Speaker Gaius Goff attempts to bring these questions to our minds before these things happen, and he does it by looking at the final words of a convicted criminal that were engraved on the wall of his prison cell. Words about God, life, and eternity. Words that we would all do well to consider now, today, even if things are going really well in our lives. We hope that you will pause your life today and, as you listen to this message, take the Word of God to heart. In doing so, you will be wise for both time and eternity. We're going to read tonight in the Gospel of John, chapter 1. In Matthew, we read and spoke to you about the king and his kingdom and how important it is that you enter that kingdom by seeing it first. We read in Mark, the gospel of Mark, about the servant and his gospel, a message that was to be passed on by those who serve God. And what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? We read about in Luke about the man, Christ Jesus, and his message. In the gospel of John, We're going to be reading about the true God and what he expects from you. Read with me then in verse 1 of John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. The gospel message, as revealed to us in the Bible, is not about the minimum entrance requirements for getting into heaven when you die. But it's about the change of a person from living an uncertain and ultimately useless life and dying in their sins to a person that begins a new life with a new start and a new nature, a whole new start that changes things and makes it what God intended our lives to be. I go on record here by saying to you that I'm a happy person. I may 
not always express myself in jokey terms, but that doesn't make a person happy. But when you have peace, and you can look around and see all kinds of reasons for joy, and you know where you came from, and you know where you're going, and you have a purpose in your life, and there's a reason so that when you're all done, and the day comes and they finally say, if they measured my 248 pounds or whatever I am, drop down here, and they might come and say, ooh, he's gone. That's okay. Because when I leave this body, it will be absent from my body and present with the Lord. Now, how about you? Honestly? Well, that's why I read this, because years ago there was a young man had committed a capital crime, and uh, the last months of his life was spent in prison. Before his execution, he stayed in this one prison cell. And after his death, when they came to prepare his cell for another occupant, they noticed that there was some writing scratched on the wall. Probably with his thumb, they don't know what it was, but some writing was scratched on the wall. And it was a poem. And these were the words. Across the top, a God, a moment, an eternity. Underneath was these two verses. A God who sees you, a moment which flies from you, an eternity that awaits you. The second verse was, a God who you serve so ill, a moment of which you so little profit, an eternity that you hazard so rashly. I would take it that that young man who died while he was still in his 20s, came to realize that really our existence is wrapped up in three brief words. A God. A moment. That's our life. For the sake of those of you who are younger, that moment. And eternity. That's what happens after we die. So I'm going to speak to you first of all about God. But I can imagine if I was that young man and realizing that soon I was going to leave this world before I reached the age of 30... I would begin to think about God. Have you ever thought about God much? Do you ever come to your mind to think about God much? Sometimes people will give thanks for their food, and they may not use the word God, but they would say, bless the food which now we take, and bless us all for Jesus' sake, amen. And, you know, they, they kind of think a little bit about God, maybe of that. But generally speaking, most people only think about God in emergencies. Like if somebody's in the hospital that you love, and you're in that little uh, chapel room there, or whatever it might be. And so we, we can pray oftentimes to God when we're in emergencies. But a lot of people kind of keep God on the sidelines of their lives, like a, a relief pitcher in a baseball team, just to come if something goes wrong with the big scene, or like a waiter hanging around a poor gravy, if we run out of gravy on the potatoes. And a lot of people think about God something like that just on the sidelines of our existence, as if he doesn't really make all that much difference. But in the Bible, and this young man, I can imagine as he was in that prison cell, he began to think about God and what he said, a God who sees you. Do you know that before there was ever the flap of an eagle's wing, God was there. The Lord Jesus was there. Before there was ever a blade of grass came out of the ground, God was there. He made it grow. Before there was ever a fish in the sea or a cloud in the sky, God was there. Before there was ever even a star, 
God was there. And yet in the Bible, it tells us that this God is not a God of our imagination or the force of the Star Wars movies, but he's a God who is not of our imagination, but one who knows all, even knows that my name is Gaius Campbell Goff. You say, what's the first name? How many people misspell my name? They had a thing here on the weekend, right on the front page, my name was misspelled, because <laughs> people find it hard to figure out, how do you say that? But God knows my name. In fact, one day, 59 years ago, I don't know how they do it up there, whether it's an angel or what, but my name got put on the Lamb's Book of Life. And my name is written down in heaven. Because God knows me. He knows everything and he knows me. And he also knows you. Would you say your name's written in heaven or not? Because God knows. You better find out before you leave this world. Because God not only knows everything, but he's everywhere. Do you know that we take every single breath that comes through our nose, it comes from God. All he had to do would be, and I'd be gone. And do you know that there's an enemy follows us, and he would like nothing better than to take our lives before we could repent and believe the gospel, but God is keeping us alive. We're alive because God wants us alive. Satan would love to have us lost before ever we came to Christ. But God's keeping us alive because there's a God who sees us. But not only that, he has all kinds of power. I live not too far from Mount St. Helens. Mount St. Helens is in the state of Washington, but if you look out the window of my parents' house where my brother lives there now, you can see Mount Hood there and Mount Jefferson there and Three Sisters there, and then come to the north, you'd see Mount Adam, these are all volcano mountains, and there's Mount St. Helens. And on a Sunday in May in 1980, one cubic mile of dirt and ash moved off the top of that mountain and went into the sky. And some was spread all over the northwest, and some actually went all around the world. You talk about power, and it happened in just seconds. The biggest move of earth, from what I understand, that ever happened by people was up in Fort St. John, British Columbia, when they moved one cubic mile of dirt to make a dam. And it took them years. I thought I read one time it was 12 years, but that seems like a long time. But it took them a long time and a lot of people and a lot. And God did it all, poof, because he's God. And he's the God who sees you. I mean, he sees what we look like. He sees where we've been today and all the things that we have done. And God knows us and reads us like a book. A God who sees you. I see that young man walking to that wall and scratching on the wall. A God who sees you. And then underneath, a God who you serve so ill. Can you imagine... What God intended for you in your life? Have you ever figured that out yet? What God expects and wants out of you? If you figured out yet why you're alive, you know, what is it really? When all is said and done, what's going to be the thing that you are known for most? Now, there are some people who have been known for some good things. 
And people are known because they're really smart. I would say the name Albert Einstein, and you'd know that name, mathematician. You know who the prime minister was in 1960? Probably not unless you come from Saskatchewan. I mean, isn't it interesting that things that people think are really, really important before long, it's gone just like a puff of smoke. But God remembers because he sees you and me. And he wants us to know him. That's what the Bible says. This is life eternal. That they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So would you say that you know God? I mean, would you say that you're on speaking terms with God? Is he on speaking terms with you? Well, you say, I haven't heard him speak. No, and he's not going to make a sound from the sky like a loudspeaker or something like that, because that just might be a helicopter with a loudspeaker and a politician running for office. So God decided the way he was going to speak to you and me is to do it in the only way we won't forget. He wrote it down. And so this property that we're in here, there's got to be some paperwork somewhere. Not just a handshake, there's some paperwork. So that there's proof that something happened. A change came when this land became the property of this congregation. And the same thing happens when a person comes to know God. He's ready for you to listen to him. So what would God say if he was talking to you? Well, I'm going to give you a few things. This is what's in the Gospel of John. Actually, there's around 90 different times in the Gospel of John, the word believe, believes, believing, or believeth is there. So here's what God says. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. So there's two parts to that verse, right? Those that believe on the Son and those that don't. So which are you? Now, it doesn't say believe about him. One of the very first things I do when I interview people or people want to get married and I start a few sessions with them, I generally ask that couple. I thought I was going to be kind, you know, and I took them out to a restaurant and to have our first interview. And so we sat at the table and I said to this Young couple, I said, I got a few questions. And I said to the girl, I said, do you believe in him? And she laughed and she said, I guess so. Well, I said, then I won't marry you if that's all that is. I won't perform the ceremony. She said, what do you mean? I want to know if you believe in him and you don't really know. I asked that of a young couple down here on, uh, on Sunday. I said to this young fellow, I leaned over his shoulder because I knew the girl. I said, uh, do you believe in this woman? He said, I certainly do. I said, well, what does that mean? He said, I trust her 100%. She must have headed him off at the pass. Because they knew when I asked that word, I'm not talking, do you just have information about the person, but do you know and trust without reservation, 100% lock, stock, and barrel in a person? Now, do you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ like that? As the only one who came into this world and suffered for our sins and died on the cross and bore our sins in his body on the tree, and you're the one that he died for. Do you believe that? You say, yeah. Well, have you ever told him that? Without reservation. Openly. Listen to this. Words from God. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word. Whose word? God's word. Who's the he? That's you. 
and believeth on him that sent me. Who's that? That's the Father who sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. So, do you have everlasting life? There's a God who sees you. And he reads you like an open book. And you can't fake it with God. Not for a second. When I was a boy in Sunday school, there was a song that we used to sing. Well, I, mean, I try not to sing songs too much here, but it goes, You cannot hide from God. Do you ever sing that? That's an old one. You cannot hide from God. Though mountains cover you, his eyes your secret thoughts behold. You can't dodge him. You can't get away from meeting him. You can't live without him. You can't breathe without him. But if you don't believe on him, you will die without him and be separated from God forever in everlasting misery. A God who sees you. A God who you serve so ill. We got this little moment. I see this young man going to the wall and scratching another phrase. A moment which flies from you. He was going to die before he was 30. And he didn't have anything to show for his life. Nothing to leave behind of value. Nothing but a bad reputation. Nothing at all to leave behind that would make people say, this man was an impact on my life for good. A God who you serve so ill. A moment of which you so little profit. And he writes that phrase. And perhaps he had read in the Bible, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You know, in the Bible, our life is spoken of like a sleep. Like, you know, when you go to bed and wake up in the morning, it's like a whole life. And it's also spoken of as a shadow, and it's spoken of like a weaver's shuttle, and it's spoken of as vapor, and it's spoken of as grass that comes up and withers and dies. But most of the major questions of life are, who am I? Where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going when I die? Young people look at life with lots of dreams and hopes and ambitions, and then when you get to the middle years, it's work and work and more work and travel and work and work and more travel and a little bit of pleasure and more work. It's the way it is. Not a whole lot to offer except a paycheck, a place to put your head down and a bit of food to eat. And then you get to my age where we're supposed to be retired. I'm going to wait another 10 or 15 years for that. But men get to my age and they start nodding their heads in a rocking chair and put their feet up on a hump day and try to find some book to read and wonder what they're going to do with their time. And it's kind of like a dream. Roll, roll, roll your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 merrily. Life is but a dream. And soon it's over. But then there's one more, and that's called eternity. And I see that young man walk to the wall one day. God who sees you. A God who you serve so ill. A moment which flies from you and a moment of which you so little profit. And now he's getting right close to the time and he scratches on that wall. An eternity that awaits you. An eternity that you hazard so rashly. It may be just around the corner that your life finishes. Or it may be lying in your bed. And who would have thought? Because eternity just awaits you. Just around the last corner. And eternity that you hazard so rashly. I wonder what that young man said or thought when they led him out. He probably thought, 
a God, a moment, an eternity. A God who sees you, a moment which flies from you, an eternity that awaits you. A God who you serve so ill, a moment of which you so little profit, an eternity that you hazard so rashly. That just simply means you were really careless about eternity. And then his life was over. There's no more chance to be saved. Yes, a God who knows us, but whom we have put out of our lives. A moment calls life that holds so little long-term profit when we truthfully weigh it all up. And an eternity that awaits each one of us. One that we cannot continue to be careless about. We trust that the message you've heard today will stir you to think seriously about these issues of life and get them settled once and for all. God loves you. He wants you to get to know Him. He wants to save you from a wasted life and a tragic eternity. Make this day the day you stop and consider the things that really count. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at anchorpointradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday, as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering unto the name of the Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our Anchor Point website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. My name is Glenn Todd. Thank you once again for listening. And we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul.